0: What's really difficult is that like lack of trust is so culturally ingrained in businesses like whereas I think now I do think it's starting to shift a bit where like employers are starting to give their team the leeway to do things on their own terms because they have to because like employees are demanding that they do which I think is good.
1: Welcome to the Small Talk podcast brought to you by Small World, the agency that builds scale-up brands. I'm Dan, I'm Harvey. Hey, Claudia, thanks for coming down. Thanks for being on the podcast. I know you come down from Manchester to see us, so we're very appreciative. I know not just to see us, but I'm glad you could fit us into your schedule. It'd be great if you could just really quickly give us a brief introduction to who you are and who you work for, I suppose, and work with and, yeah, what you'd love about it.
0: So I am Head of Operations at Great Influence. We manage the reputations of business leaders, CEOs, founders, politicians. The company was started in 2018 by Ash Jones and i've worked there for 2 years now
1: great i guess the first thing i want to jump into is is interesting actually this whole conversation i guess you you're used to talking about personal branding and being on the uh, yeah being on, on the side of or, or talking about the side of things of what you do with your agency but i guess this discussion because of what we do at small world and the way that we are trying to transform how we work with agency talent this is actually going to be a lot more about your expertise and managing talent, understanding founders and CEOs. <laughs> well, you know, your your experience, I guess, if you don't want, to, don't want to take the compliment. Yeah, this chat's actually going to be a lot more about talent, where the future of work is heading, work culture, et cetera, which I think from obviously doing all of the personal branding work that you guys do with founders and CEOs and corporations, you guys have a knowledge in and you specifically. So I guess the, to, to kick that off, the first thing I wanted to talk about is, I guess, this new manager's mentality, like since we've been living in this COVID world, which completely changed the way that we work. What is it that uh, what, what makes a good management style how do people want to be managed from working with the different from great influence themselves but also working with um, different organizations and founders and CEOs what are some of the trends that you're starting to see in terms of how managers are adapting I guess and ha- how people want to be managed in a way
0: yeah good question I think it's really interesting like to be honest I think managers are in a bit of a dilemma at the moment because like it's such a new way of working like I don't think we've really given ourselves like a break as to how new everything is. If you think you've got some teams that are like hybrid, so some people are in the office, some people are at home, some teams are fully in the office, like with one or two people remote, like there's gone from being like one way of working, which is in, you're in the office from nine till five to like so many different combinations. And I think that like everyone's still adapting to that new process and it's still changing as well. Like it's been a couple of years now since COVID, but like there's still new combinations are like coming up all the time. So I think it's really it's really an interesting time to be a manager as well. Like, I think there's a lot more challenges and like things to think about, which is a good thing. I think like, if we're thinking of like how we push work forwards, like companies have just introduce like four day work week, like Mm. things like that, like absolutely wild. Like we wouldn't have been having that conversation like two years ago. And now people are working four days a week. Like what? But I think people like, it's such a cliche, but it just boils down to people like wanting to actually be trusted. And I thought it'd be interesting to like discuss what trust actually looks like, because people just track it around all the time. Like, oh, yeah. people just want to like trust your employees, trust your managers, whatever. But like, what does that mean? Like, trust how they work, where they work, like how they communicate with you. Trust them to be online, trust them to be offline. Like, how does that look, and how does that work in a workplace, and how do people like manage it effectively? Because I think like in any relationship, like the second that that trust is like questioned or taken for granted, or like looked at in a different way or like you say it but you don't actually mean it, like it's obliterated. Mm. And like how does that exist in a workplace and like make people what I think is important is like the undercurrent of it all is like how do people work best? Like how are they most efficient? And like I know that particularly with like um trusting your employees, like I think it's really important that it's consistent and that you make them feel it every day. Hmm. um but in so many different working environments like how do you do that I think you trust someone in an office differently to how you trust them if they're working from home
1: Hmm. or even at at a work social compared to yeah Yeah, exactly
0: and like even coming to like you know more and more employees now are building their personal brands like you have to trust them to do that and I think there's so many different ways for that trust to play out that like you might have it in one area, you might trust all your employees to work from home all the time, you don't have an issue with it, but then mm. you won't let them post on LinkedIn because that's like something that you're not ready to tackle yet. So like how, I think, how managers manage trust is like a really interesting kind of thing to get into.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, There's a bit of a side note, but I've finished this book called Get Rich uh, or Lie Trying, which sounds sleazy when you to <laughs> look at the cover of it but it's a really interesting book by a guy called Simeon Brown and it's a bit of an aside to this but it's, the whole book is effectively about the new it's slightly about influencer economy but also just generally about the new ways that we communicate and make money as well in, in the modern day world and, and increasingly we live in this more trust trustless society it all works for life and I guess work is increasingly one of those right before you didn't have to it's sad to say but you didn't really need trust because you could literally see what everybody was doing in, in yeah. an office right and and even like the advent of like uh, open plan offices which was seen as a thing of like oh it's open for collaboration was is, is if you look at it cynically was actually a tactic Spying. to be able to yes yeah, <laughs> be able to see what everybody is doing all times and know when people are leaving the office and when they're staying in the office etc but now that's kind of gone gone away right that's been obliterated because everybody demands this more uh, hybrid way of work at least some people are saying you know that they want to be fully remote so I think it boils down to the the fact that trust is thing you mentioned as well but it's it's a two-way street right You, you need to have trust in your manager but then you also need to be able to trust your talent and then it ultimately comes down to doing rather than saying, which is something that we say with clients when, when we build campaigns, you know, it's not good enough to put a campaign out there and out of home board that says something about your brand, actually physically doing something. Say, one of my favorite examples of that is um, Dove with their Real Beauty campaign when it first came out. They genuinely invested, I think by this point, like billions of dollars in self-esteem projects across the US um, and across the world um, to to teach kids about self-esteem, for instance, rather than putting that into like just a TV ad or just a piece of communications. So I think it, this the same thing goes with managers and, and talent. Like managers need to, instead of just saying, oh yeah, we're a really progressive workspace where we trust our employees and they're allowed to post on LinkedIn or they're allowed to express their views or they're allowed to do X, Y, Z. And ironically, them themselves doing the LinkedIn post on behalf of the company saying that. They need to express that and do that. Um, and only once they've done that they can can they then shout about it. So it's it's and I guess you need to set out clear rules for that, right? So it's it's
0: yeah, definitely. But I think like what's really difficult is that like lack of trust is so culturally ingrained in businesses. Like mm. we have a really small team, we all sit around the same desk, like we see each other every day, we speak all hours of all days of the week, pretty much. But I think like the team still ask me like I'm going to be 15 minutes late, like, is that okay? Like, I've got a doctor's appointment, is that okay? Like, oh, I'm just going to leave early because I've got Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's fine. Like, you don't have to ask me. Like, I trust each of them implicitly to do their job. And I don't mind where they do it, I don't mind how they do it. Like, I know they'll do it really well, but they still feel like they need to check with me. But I don't think that's like, well, I hope that's not from me making them feel like I don't trust them. But I think there's so much pressure from society to like constantly be like looking for reassurance that you can do things because yeah. for so many years like that's been the case like it's always it almost has been a case of like companies have been spying on their employees whereas I think now I do think it's starting to shift a bit where like employers are starting to give their team the leeway to do things on their own terms because they have to because like employees are demanding that they do which I think is good but then I think in in circumstances where you do have that freedom you almost feel guilt mm. and i think that's like a new emotion that i think people will be battling with a little bit maybe not for everyone i'm sure some people don't feel guilty about it yeah. but i think definitely in our team where everyone wants to do a really good job and everyone is ambitious and like everyone wants to like work hard i think when you're like mentally taking time off i guess yeah um it's although it's not time off like it's just doing what they need to do to get on with their day i think there's like this subconscious feeling of like you should be doing more like I know that you, I don't want you to think that I'm not doing any work or like, it's almost really like I'm just going for a walk. And I was like, <laughs> that's fine. Like, you do you, like, do what yeah. you need to do. Like, you don't need to check with me. But then I think what I'm trying to figure out now is like, how do I get the team to feel that trust? And I think it is just like a process of iteration like, over time, like, constantly making them feel like they don't need to check that stuff with me. But, yeah. I, I think it's, that's okay. Like a do
1: you reckon it's kind of like managers leading from the front as well? Because I think if you see your manager or your boss or whoever it is walk out at four on a yeah. Wednesday or something, you're like, oh, okay, that is the type of culture that exists here. As well as, I'm sure, seeing them stay late on a Friday till like eight. Like You need to have the balance of both, right? You need to have both of those. Or arguably, it could be the manager who just says and announces to everybody. Imagine if you flipped it the other way, right? And then when you were doing some of those things, you just announced it and said, I'm going for a walk.
0: Yeah, cool. It's so totally true. fine. And
1: you just and you just left, or ah, oh, my brain's not really working today. I'm gonna take an hour off or something like that. If they saw those cues, even if you probably didn't need to, right? But it's just like you. you if they vi- visibly see those cues again, the doing the action, it would. It might be an easy way of it sort of permeating or like building that that trust. Yeah, definitely.
0: But I also think like it's a subconscious thing. I think particularly in like high performing teams. Mm that you want to be constantly seen to be doing work. Yeah, yeah, And I think that, like, as a manager as well, like, I want my team to think that I'm doing a good job and that I work hard. Yeah. So, like, it's a guilt thing for me. Like, I if I want them to think that, like, yeah. I don't want them to think that I just, like, swan out the office at 3 p.m. or, like, go to the gym in the afternoon because mm-hmm. they'll be thinking, like, because society tells us to think that if you do that, You're not working hard, or you're not doing a good job. Yeah. So it's like a bit of a catch-22 situation. Like I want them to think I'm working hard, but then I also want them to think that they can do it on their own terms. So it's like finding the balance of that line of like, okay, you, I would, I know that my team think that I'm working as hard as I can, but I also want them to think that I can switch off when I need to. And like, yeah, like you're exactly right. Like leading by example. And making sure that they know that both of those situations are like fine and good.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It almost feels like when you work in those kind of high high achieving kind of work environments, it almost feels like it's a trick when somebody says that. They're like, I'm going out. It's like, oh, I'm not going to fall for that. Like, I'm going to. Yeah,
0: they definitely, they definitely (laughs) feel that, I think. Like, I'm just going to the shop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, don't know if I'm going to fall. I mean, that leads quite nicely into um, this conversation about culture. I guess we talked about like management styles, right? Which is maybe like a one-to-one thing or one-to-a-few thing. And then I guess culture in comparison to that is the overriding emotion within within the company or the overriding yeah feeling within the company of, oh, are we, f-? well, I guess four-day work week is, is, is different, but it's like, okay, are we workaholics? Is it like a hustle culture? Is it like we're all building our personal brands and everybody's seen as like uh, careerists or whatever that might be. And you kind of had quite an interesting point about, because one of my questions to you was sort of like, how do you build a good company culture? What makes a good company culture? What are you seeing different founders, CEOs putting in place to make sure that their culture is seen as good in inverted commas? And you rightly sort of said, like, there is no one good company culture. Like, again, just like it is in the world, there's lots of different cultures that exist in the world and people gravitate to the one that they enjoy the most. But yeah, I wondered if you could like touch on that a little bit more.
0: I think there's like a tendency to blanket culture and it really annoys me because if I think like how many companies exist in the world how many people exist in those companies like how many sub pockets of culture within the culture do you have and I just think that like people blanket culture as like people want flexibility like people want this people yeah some people want that not everyone in every business wants that and I think Mm -hmm. that Like if you really start to get into the nitty gritty of it, like there's so many different attractive parts of culture for different people. So whether it's that you want to travel, whether it's that you want to learn really quickly, whether you want to progress really quickly, whether you want to work for a big company, like what is it that you want from a culture that like aligns with your values and how you want to behave? Like our team is very ambitious. Like everyone wants to progress. Everyone wants to like work hard. Everyone wants to be the best at their job. And that isn't the culture that's right for everyone. Mm. And like, we want to have a good time whilst we do it. Like we want to have fun. Like we've just been to Ibiza. Like we go to festivals, concerts. Like we do all that stuff because that's what we enjoy. That isn't the right culture for everyone. And I think like saying what is a good culture is like almost too broad a question because like ask every person in the world what culture is and they'll tell you a different thing. Mm. And I think like that's where we like, l- like get lost in culture a bit sometimes is like trying to blanket it like this there's the same for everyone and i think especially at the moment there's this like narrative of like you know culture isn't like mags, pizza like yeah. parties like whatever it is like ping pong tables and it's it's not those things like chuck a ping pong table in a room doesn't mean you've got good culture but mm-hmm. like it's the emotion that's or like feeling that's attached to that thing which i think is really interesting like one business can have a ping pong table and no one ever uses it sits in the corner it gathers dust like you are just ticking the box of a ping pong table right Whereas another company could have a ping pong table, like they have tournaments every Friday, like everyone's staying late to make yeah. sure that like, they get their turn. Like, like it brings everyone together. Like everyone has fun whilst they do it. And I think like, that's the difference. Like it's not about the stuff, but it's just about what that stuff represents in your business. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's like, I don't know, like a dining table in the middle of the like office where everyone comes together and has lunch together. Like, it's not free pizza on a friday but it's like making sure that your team like has that moment every week where they spend time together yeah and i think that like it's not the stuff but it's it's about what that brings to the business and like how you can like weave it into the values of the business to make it stand for something rather than it just be like a box tick exercise of like oh yeah we've got all this cool shit yeah yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean anything but like if i think of like great influence and like the perks that we have like are incredible and they're amazing but like if you took every single perk away and all that was left was like the conversations that we have around the desk like the ambition in the team like that that's a culture that we've created separate to perks and I think that they're actually two separate conversations like I think culture is a way people behave and I think perks are a different thing that are like a bonus almost that I think companies like it's it's like an add-on like the culture is like the day-to-day like micro decisions and conversations that you have like around the office like the way that people speak to each other whereas I think like perks like the trips and the travel and stuff like that whatever it is is like separate and I think what's happening at the moment is like we're conflating the two things and I think a perk is an add-on whereas a culture is like how everyone behaves like almost on a minute by minute and like the way that they engage with like the rest of the people in the business
1: yeah almost if no one is watching them like uh, yeah yeah exactly how made, maybe no one's watching them it's interesting and I guess that that was then one of the things that one of the things that came out of that that I, I started thinking about was okay well then is it chicken and egg in a way like who is it that the founders lay out well, this is the way that we like to behave. So this is what um, my co-founder and I, Harvey, do when, when we talk to new talent to come into like the small world roster, for instance. We say, well, these are the five values that Harvey and I feel like we share together that made us want to work together. Um, there's a few in there. where It's like like knowing everyone everywhere, wanting to like ne- network and, and meet loads of people, wanting to sort of build brands, not make ads, so not doing things just based for awards, and wanting to build brands, being like frighteningly flexible. So not just in the way that we we work together, but also in the way that we work with clients. Not not having the antithesis of like computer says no, basically. And those are like some of our values that we kind of laid out. We're like, yeah, great. This is why we gravitate to each other and like to work with each other. And we very much set that. And so when we talk to new talent in the roster, we say, look, this is what we're about. Do you like, which of these do you chime with? Which of these do you say, oh, that's total bollocks? Like it's it's actually up to them. We don't say like, this is, and most of the thing is when we're interviewing talent, they're not, we're not like hiring them full time. So it's, it's a very frank discussion. They can say, no, actually, that's not my bag. Like. I am all about awards. And, and that is an important thing for certain people's careers. So it's like, look, I'm, I'm more about awards rather than doing work at any cost. Or they might say, you know, I I, I want to be in an office environment 24-7, which is not all we're offering either. But that's very much a culture that we've kind of set. And then we're kind of saying, look, come, it, we're trying to attract the right people, right? But then you send the flip side, it might be that you just attract a bunch of people into a company and then you say, oh, we've got lots of these, you know, high achieving careerists, for instance. We've got to build a, a company culture for them. This is now our company culture. Or you might actually find that oh, we've just happened to hire four or five people who are you know family people who actually value their time with their family more than their work day in day out, for instance. So let's actually build an environment for that. Which do you, and I guess there's no perfect answer, but like which do you think comes first? And I guess you've obviously got the example of great influence, but like generally, what what do you see that comes first? Is it that it comes from the founders and they very much set the agenda, or are we seeing them be a lot more fluid?
0: I think like. If it's like day one of a business and you're starting from scratch and it's just one person or two people that like I think the founders set the tone initially, they have to like and they pick people that they want to work with, hopefully, so I think that like naturally you kind of like spend your time with people that you align with most, where I think it starts to get interesting, and I don't actually think great influence across this bridge yet is like when it gets to like ten to twenty or twenty to fifty people. And you don't like the founder doesn't have direct contact with everyone in the business. Like, mm. It's impossible to like speak to every single person every day. And I think that's where culture gets interesting, because if one person can't dictate the agenda, like you rely on the people within the business to almost like set it for themselves. And that's where hiring great people is so important, because it just takes one person or a couple of people to like almost have like a subculture and particularly in like huge corporations, like we sit, you see all the time, like you scroll through Glassdoor and it's just like, yeah, this team was really good and like the overall company is really good, but like this manager is really bad. And like, yeah. I think that's really hard to manage because the overall company could be seen as like something somewhere that has a really good culture and you have like a couple of bad eggs and it's mm. like spoiling, the, spoiling it for other people. And I think that, yeah, it's a tough one because I think once it gets to a certain point and over a certain amount of people, like the people set the tone. And I think when the tide starts to turn, it's very difficult to then get it back to what it was. Or you might have one or two people that like, remember the old culture or whatever. But I think like once that switch is flicked, like it's very hard to like get it back. And I think that that's why it's so important to be constantly setting the culture rather than just like leaving it to people to set the tone themselves like I think if you're not actively working on the culture it's going backwards and it's really important to make sure that everyone in the team knows that as well and I think in any business you'll have kind of like culture leaders I guess that like take the initiative and like like embody the culture through and through and I think it's really important that like those people know that as well and know how an how important their role is in a company to do that but yeah I think it's like really important to be constantly thinking about how the culture is working in your business and ways to improve it and ways to make it better otherwise it's just like if you're standing still like it's going backwards
1: yeah that's good that's a good line For standing still is going backwards uh, there's a lot of egg analogies in there as well yes, bad eggs chicken try. and eggs it's good I guess it, it, that's that's totally the point is like as long as you're actively doing something about it it doesn't matter if it comes from the founders or more likely it comes from and the best places I've worked in have always been the ones who it's been almost like a council you would say like an employee council right it's like that that sounds like such a cringe way of putting it because it's always like more of an informal thing but it's like okay these three or four people between them probably have the personality types that make up our company culture right and the best places I've worked have been they've got those people in a room and said okay what can we do what should we do you know we've got this pot of money to do something what do you think people would like to do et etc cetera, et cetera. and then you you know you get a good mix that of things within the year that people want to do and and opportunities for people to come together in the way that like hopefully is is something for everyone at least that's the way that I've, I've looked at it. I guess or the, the good company cultures I've been in it's, it's interesting because that's the main debate we're having now a small world is like obviously our our workforce or our employees are kind of like free workers is what we would call them well they're basically they're free right they can they can work for who they want when they want to work with them and we our company culture is very much trying to make when, when a job arises of us they say i love working in a small world so yeah i'm going to drop other things that i've got going on or make it work to work with them because i love the experience of working with those those people so much and that's a really interesting challenge to have and you know we've got this kind of pot of money and we're saying is, you know how we are talking to the talent at the moment and saying you know what what would what would you guys all kind of embody the same, a little bit of like entrepreneurial spirit. So you went off to be your own boss, basically. Like, what would you appreciate? Is it maybe a physical space that we rent out? There's like a studio. There's an example of an agency called Protein who do that near here. And that's interesting. Like, and you don't have to come in and work for us. You can drop in and just work on other stuff um, with other clients, et cetera. But this is a hub for everyone to come and work. Or is it that, you're like no I don't really care too much about that I like doing my own thing and they're all lone wolves. and then we just pay you like a dividend out at the end of the year which is just like a thank you for being part of our roster or is it you know a quarterly event because you actually do want to all meet up with each other and meet new people and it's like it's probably a combination of all of those things but it's really interesting when you're then going from a company culture where kind of not that everyone has to be there but I guess when you're employed right you do kind of have to subscribe to the culture whereas this situation where we have a group of people who don't necessarily have to subscribe to our culture they can check in and out whenever they want to but we want them to to want to be a part of it it's an it it's an interesting challenge that we've got at the moment
0: but I do think that's kind of the case with any culture like people check in and check out and I think that that's like an incentive to yeah constantly be moving it forwards is because like if you think you have a business of fifty people, like not everyone is going to be actively engaged in a culture at all times. Not everyone's going to be at the drinks or like,
1: yeah, mm, true.
0: You know, like saying their piece in meetings, whatever it is, like whatever the emphasis is you you place on what you're trying to do. But I think it's like the majority. Like as long as you can get the majority on board and engaged in something, I think that's where like culture like thrives, I guess. Whereas r- rather than it's like one or two people dragging everyone along with them, like, yeah. and I think that where people maybe go wrong a little bit is that like they try to like enforce a culture. Whereas I think the second you do that, like you've already lost, whether it's like encouraging people to share things, like share company posts. Like if you have to tell people to do that, you've lost because like Mm. you're making this. I always think like anyone anytime anyone tells me to do something, I, I actively don't want to do it.
1: Don't want to do so it. So I think you psychology. just have to
0: inspire. And like like I was we saying before, like you have to lead by example and you have to, like more importantly than anything else, like you have to make it fun. Like, and I think of all the things to like not blanket, like I think maybe fun is the only thing to blanket across culture because like if you don't enjoy it and like fun can be used in so many different ways. Like I'm not saying that like you have to be like absolutely pissing yourself every single day of the week, but like... <laughs> I think it's important that you come into work and you enjoy it. Like, you spend so much time there that, like, yeah. as long as, it, and when I say enjoy it, I'd like, like, feel comfortable and confident going in. Like, like, enjoy the conversations that you're having with the people around you. And I think that fundamentally is, like, the most important part of culture because you, you spend so much time at work. Like, if it's not fun, then what's the point? Mm. Maybe that's very naive, but... That's <laughs> No, nah,
1: I mean, you should. Uh, what was it? Casper was saying yesterday. Like, I just do fun. I mean, it's great that you can do that, but he was like, I just do fun things. He's like, if, if something's not fun, I'd, I'd give up on it. Basically. Like, what an absolute
0: privilege to be able to say that. Like, work yeah. is fun every day. And mm. I think that, like, if you have, if you're someone that has power to like influence company culture, which is not many people. Like, if I'm thinking like right at the top, like, think about how you can like make work fun, because I think like. So many people don't have fun in their lives. And if the one place they can get it is work, like mm. what an honor to be able to give that to someone.
1: Mm. It's good. I'm now thinking whether we give people fun.
0: A question for you on Elon actually. Yeah, go Um So obviously he's like slashed the team. The whole like ethos behind Twitter now is work hard essentially. Yeah. This, like, do you think that is a good company culture? Because I think everyone at the moment is going, Elon Musk, like, absolutely made some horrendous decisions, like, fired people left, right, and center, like, Twitter's disintegrating. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, like, I don't think he's handled it well at all. Like, I think the way that he's behaved is disgusting and letting people <laughs> go, like, on email, they like, worked yeah. there for however many years. <clears throat> however, it, like, do you think there's an argument that, like, now it is a good company culture because everyone who works there wants the same thing. Yeah. And is that a good company culture? It's, it's
1: whether you, again, it goes back to some point of like, what is it? There's no blanket company culture, right? Like that is the company culture that he wants and ultimately whether you like it or not, he owns the company. So like it's, it is, he's come in and he's had to reset it in his vision. I also think there was, a, I read something somewhere that was like, <clears throat> it was like a slight tactic to also not have to pay out, is again, <clears throat> quite a, like a, it's again, just a classic Elon dealing with things badly, but it was a bit of a tactic to say, like I'm going to scare off the people who I don't have to now fire and they've just resigned so I don't have to pay them out. So it was a way of getting rid of the, probably a few yeah, thousand like, people that he, he didn't have to pay out. That. It's not great, but that was probably a, a bit of his thinking as well. But I, I do think like that, whether you like or not, yeah, that is the company culture that he's now set. And let's see if, it, if he succeeds. Let's see if it ends up working for him. But I guess, yeah that he's done a hard reset on the company culture, I would say. You're right. He's now left with a fraction of the people, but he knows that those people theoretically, whether they've done it out of fear or whether they've done it out of a genuine desire to follow him as like this kind of messiah within tech, they're there for the right reason, I guess he could say. Yeah, I think he's probably ha- handled it in the wrong way. I think that, that I, it's an interesting one though, because I, I wrote a piece about it like last week and I, I said, yeah, I basically said, yeah, the ways that handle it is terrible and there's there's definitely a better way of managing talent effectively but i do think there is a trend in general and we're, we're seeing that at the moment there's there's been mass like tech in particular that that industry was you talk about like the pizza and the ping pong table etc like to an extent the work culture within tech was on this kind of like benefit steroids and it, they arguably their culture was a lot of those companies based around it being like a Willy Wonka's chocolate factory of like things you can do. And it was like almost that replaced the element of like you're here to do a job. So I think actually going back to your previous point, there probably is a point where it can, fun can go too far. Or I guess yeah. I guess it's more like they weren't, they these people weren't, they've become complacent. They weren't going to work because they found the work fun. They're going to work because they found all of the kind of stuff around work fun and they didn't have to do as yeah, much work. Maybe
0: that's actually probably a better takeaway is like rather than make working environment fun yeah like how do you make work fun yeah, yeah like the actual job of what you're doing yeah and whether that's like i don't know gamifying parts of it like the way that you tackle challenges like who you speak to within that mm. i think that's actually a really good point point. Yeah. and i think like <laughs> what always makes me laugh is like you know you see tiktoks of people like day in the life of whatever and it's literally like three hour lunch like our flight to this place like yeah went to this night out yeah. and they've spent like two minutes <laughs> replying to emails and I just think like what is your job? Yeah. But then I also think that I wouldn't want to do that.
1: No, no, totally. Because
0: I think like, yeah, for some people like they're just there for pure vibes. But yeah. like I think the place that I am at in my career now, like, I wanna do work. Like yeah, yeah. I wanna learn. I wanna progress.
1: When I mean, you've got the energy, yeah. yeah right, exactly. And
0: I think that like it's almost a bit of a wasted opportunity to arrive at somewhere like Twitter and then spend Like four hours making a coffee and like three hours in the canteen. Like, look at who you're around. Like, Uh, look at where you are. Look at what you have the opportunity to do. And I think, like, yeah, don't waste it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. caveat. I'm sure all the people at Twitter were doing work. I'm sure Um, they were. (laughs) But no, it's totally true. And I think now you're seeing that now that all of that big VC funding money has gone away and share prices have dropped and they're actually having to cut back to the the bare basics. Those sorts of people are the ones that are being put by the wayside straight away. The type of people who, again, it's it's simple we're doing is saying like putting, just putting a hard challenge in front of them and saying, now you have to be in the office for X amount of days. And that's a mandatory or saying we will be working intensely at these hours, et cetera. Then quick, very quickly, those sorts of people will say, well, no, I'm used to X about the environment and you you get to see who the pretenders are. It goes back to the thing about trust, right? I guess that's the way it's a hard reset way for managers to understand who they can trust and who they can't. And it, it gets rid of the wrong people straight away, I suppose. Um but I do think that's like a positive way of looking at it. I think there are a lot of negatives to that oh, sort yeah, of management sure. style for sure. I that actually quite nicely leads on to a quote that I was reading recently, which is Scott Galloway said, You can you can have everything but not all at once. So but you or you can have it all but not all at once, basically. With that he was referring to like work, work life balance basically. And both of us have spoken about it here like where probably on the cusp of gen z but more millennial but you know obviously see a lot of how young people are working etc and like you said all those tiktoks and memes are really funny and it's like you, you there's this prevailing wind of like hustle culture and like i don't want to have to ever work for somebody i want to instantly be the ceo and boss of my own life and be a millionaire straight away and and in one hand, that's really like inspiring and there's a great prevailing wind around that. And you're seeing like, younger and younger people doing more more and more amazing things. But equally, there's a lot of work that goes into doing those things. And I think, again, it goes back to this idea of the trustless society, but you're seeing a lot of people who are on the surface of things doing brilliantly and it kind of inspires a generation that, oh, it's that easy to get big wins. But the reality of it is, is that they're not, you know, there's probably plenty of people who are on, like for, falls 30 under 30 lists and on et cetera, getting great press who actually aren't doing as well as as well as it might it might seem but I think that backs up this culture of like yeah you could you you can kind of have a work-life balance do whatever you want with your friends etc and also be like CEO of a company at 32 and you know it's all it's all great but equally then the flip side of that, like this toxic hustle culture is is really bad as well. Like saying to people, oh, you need to work to the bone and that, that's it and that's the only way to achieve achieve what you want to achieve. I find it really hard to reconcile myself because I'm I feel like I fit slightly into the the latter part and I'm like, okay, I need to work really hard. I feel like I do a bit of work every day, but that's because I do I love what I do, just like you were talking about there, like having having fun with it and you don't see it as a job necessarily. But I can see how to other people. And I catch myself like sending an email on a Saturday or something. I'm like, shit, that will look really bad to the person that I'm sending it to. I wonder like, where do do you like net out on that? Like, where's the middle ground? Which kind of area do you favour more? And how can we maybe find that balance? Or do you even agree with the statement? Like that whole idea of like, you can have it all, but not all at once.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that like every time there's a conversation about work-life balance, it always seems to be really extreme. It's either like, you work 20 hours a day and you don't sleep and like you work for 10 years doing that and then you might make it to the top 1% Mm. or it's like, you know, you choose life and like you have a nice time and you go out with your friends, whatever. I think there's a middle ground between the two and I think that like we get so wrapped up in like toxic positivity and hustle culture and like one versus the other that actually like you can have both. You can work really hard when you need to Or you can take a break and go on holiday and not look at your phone for a weekend. Mm. And they can mutually exist at the same time. You can be a really hardworking person who works really hard sometimes. And I think that's fine. And I think that like the extreme conversation that happens all the time, like is frustrating because it's like you're not one or the other. Like you're not a hard worker or lazy. Like you can have a break and work really hard. And I think that, like, that's something that I always try and do is, like, I love work, I love working, like, I want to progress. I also love going out, like, I also love doing nothing and sitting on the sofa watching Netflix. Mm. And, like, I've tried to set up my life so that I can do both those things at the same time. And I think, like, it's also the reason that, like, I work for a business rather than work for myself is that because, like, the responsibility is split, like, it's shared. And I think that, like... You have so many options. Whether you're if you start your own business, like chances are you're going to be like mentally tapped into it all the time. I am mentally tapped into great influence like ninety percent of the time. I think about it all the time. Like yeah. it's something that I love to think about. And like even at weekends in the evenings, like it just constantly ticks over in my mind. Yeah. Um. And I think that like if you want to be a founder, like that has to be a hundred percent. I think if you want your yeah. business to be successful, like I think you have to be always thinking about it, always on. And I think that like people don't ask themselves how much they want it before Mm. they start. And I think that unless you're 100% committed to building a business from scratch and knowing what you have to sacrifice, not to just build a business, but to build a successful business that does really well and grows really quickly and like sets a really good culture. Like you have to be so invested in that and like so willing and wanting it to work and put so much effort and time in and I think that like all the people that we work with who have started their own businesses look back in hindsight and they say like I wish I'd like pulled my head out of the sun for a second and like taken it in or like prioritised myself a little bit more and taken a break and like yeah. realize what I was doing at the time but in hindsight would they have achieved what they've achieved if they had done that and they hadn't gone at that hard pace and put in all those hours mm. maybe not. And I think that like, it's easy to say in hindsight, like, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done this, but like, it's the luxury of hindsight, isn't it? Like you can say that once, once you've achieved the thing and they all have successful businesses now that are doing amazing and they're doing amazing. And I think that like, it's almost like a bit, again, a bit of a catch 22, like if you go back and do it differently, would you? Because now you've got the like dream business and the life that you want So like, would you change it? Would you change what you've achieved and like what you were doing at the time to like, I don't know, like stop and smell the roses for a second? Like, but then would you have not got what you have now? Like, I think it's such a fine line to tread.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely if we're talking about like founders mentality, the best like founders of businesses that I know, the ones that grow quickly are the ones who for them, it's like never enough. But that's that is their toxic trait in a way, because it's like it everything, everything trait, in yeah. life is like it's, ne- it's never enough. And it's quite sad. yeah it's, It is quite a sad. And I guess it's, hu- it's also human nature to an extent as well. Like we're always searching for like meaning or always searching for like if we're getting philosophical, like searching for like sure. the meaning of what we're doing. Right. And it's like being a founder is kind of like that spirit in a way because it's like oh, I'm, it's not enough. I need to build the next thing or like lots of lots of them will get to a point where the business becomes boring for them because it's not figuring stuff out and building it it's kind of like working and running smoothly and they have time to smell the roses right they're like oh I don't you know they get anxious and get crazy anxiety over it yeah and I guess yeah nobody necessarily wishes that upon someone I guess they they start doing it doing the business and they don't know any other difference they don't know how to be different so yeah I mean it is that's that's an interesting conversation I guess it kind of leads on to the LinkedIn posts that you sent, we'll post it on the kind of description of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also, if this comes as a video clip, we'll also just post it up on the video clip um, and in the links there. Can't remember the exact name of the person, but they're basically saying um that the best people they had worked with were basically had this. They were they were like entrepreneurs within a business, basically, or an entrepreneur, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um they're these people who had this kind of like CEO approach to their life and their career where they worked within within a business or the best people within businesses were the people who had that kind of mindset. And that was kind of your link that you said this is the most important thing in the world for people to know right now and to chat about. So that's why we're chatting about it. I found it really interesting. I had well, I guess I'll let I'll let you have your kind of couple minutes on it first to say and then I'll say what well, I, I kind of think about it. What why why did you think it was the most um interesting thing in the world? So right
0: I think we're like constantly fed the same narrative of success. Like Drop out of uni, start a business, goes mega successful over like five year period, like become famous, whatever, whatever. And I think that I think that's a good thing. I think it's really nice to have that as like an option, but I don't think it's the only option. And I think that like all the other options are seen as not not successful. If you haven't started your mm. own business, like it's become a unicorn. Like you sold it for however money and you can retire on an island. Right. Like that's not the only version of success, but it's the only version of success we're constantly seeing. And I think that like more and more so if I think of how many people like leave school, go to uni, graduate, work in a like huge business, like that's so many people. And that in itself is a huge achievement to do that. Like not everyone is lucky enough to A, go to university, like B, get a job, get a job afterwards that pays them well, that pays for them to live. And like how lucky are we that we get to be able to do that? But then also people see that as not successful. And like it really baffles me as to why that is, because I think like if you'd told like ten year old me that I was going to do what I do now, like I would have been like, "That's so cool! Like, that's amazing that I get to do that and live that life." But because I don't own my own business and I didn't drop out of uni, and now like I'm not making a bajillion pounds, or whatever, <laughs> like that—that's not the, the, the right version of success, like or the like palatable version of success that we're like fed in the media. Yeah. Whereas I think that like linking it into the kind of like being an entrepreneur within a business idea, like. You can have autonomy, you can make good decisions, like you can progress quickly, like you can learn so much, like you can be successful whilst working as a cog in a machine for another business. And again, like it's a like clear, like, I guess like clearly laid out, like you're either a cog in a machine or you're a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think the like cog in a machine narrative, like, as much as I think it is very true for a lot of businesses, like it's not the only true. Like yeah. if you work for a company, you're not just a cog like everyone's not just a cog like and i think that for all those people that work in all those companies around the world that that like we wouldn't be able to function without like if you see yourself as just a number like i guess that's what you are yeah. whereas like if you actually take matters into your own hands you know okay i'm really going to try and make a difference here like you're perfectly like you can but yeah. you're perfectly capable of doing that but it just requires some like intuitive thinking from you To be able to say like, okay, yeah, I am in this big company. Like, yeah, I am just one person who's trying to make a difference. But like one person can make a difference. Like history tells us that one person can make a difference. And I think whether that's in a company or for yourself, like don't feed yourself the narrative that just because you're not an entrepreneur, like you're not not a success.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the reason I, I thought it was great was because just this idea of approaching and people don't think enough about their career, right? I think that's a concept that you maybe get into like mid-20s, even like 30s. Like that's when you start to think about this concept of a career, which some, sometimes it's... Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even like some people think of their career as in the one place they're working in right there then, right? They're like, okay, well, I'm going to... These are the steps I need to go up, right? From being an account manager to whatever to see, to then eventually head of department or CEO or whatever. It's a way of thinking that kind of diminishes them, right? You think, oh, yeah. if I'm loyal and trustworthy with this company, then I'll get to a certain point and the business doesn't work like that sometimes so it's a really healthy way to think about it is to think of yourself as a regardless of if you run your own business or not to think of yourself as an entrepreneur within your own life as in like okay is is there opportunity at this place that I'm at right now try and test that as quick as possible try and put your ideas out try and push boundaries like you said there try and question things and then if you hit it's a quick way to find out right if you hit that wall straight away and you are being treated as a cog in a machine so to speak then this isn't the right place for you and the way to get up to that higher level is to go horizontally, right? Is to go to another company that maybe does allow you to do that, and then you go up maybe another two ranks and then you set, then you suddenly hit that wall again. It's like, okay, well, this is the ceiling of how they want people to think in this company and then I need to go to another place and it might be a smaller place than where you are at last time but you have a bigger role in that company and that, that's totally fine. It's, yeah, it's totally about like thinking of yourself as a business arguably thinking as as yourself as uh, having like a a net worth attached to or whatever that might be rather than like the businesses you're going to and saying like well I only need to go to like a bigger business no it's like you need to have a bigger part to play wherever you're going that was the main thing I took because when I read it the, the one like apprehension I had to objection I had to it was that idea of like well yeah not every not every company will allow you to to be like that it was just this idea of like yeah being able to question everything and give your ideas and and mold the company right Definitely, I've worked in places where you tried to do that and you just hit a brick wall, right? And I guess back uh, back then, my mentality was like, "Oh well, I'm just I'm just a cog in machine, so I'm going to basically like quiet quit, right?" And that's what you're seeing a lot. That's a massive um, trend at the moment, right? Quiet quitting. And instead of actually taking matters in your own hand and saying, "I'm going to look for something else," or "I'm going to you know do whatever it is," you kind of go into autopilot and just stay where you are for too long, and then it's kind of too late. So I think, yeah, the, the the ultimate like thing that I took away from that post, which was brilliant, was the need to like take agency in your life. And if you treat yourself like a, you know, you don't need to just, some, some people do this, some people just quit and then say, okay, I'll figure it out now, right? They use that, as a, that fear as a trigger to figure it out. And some people start businesses, some people then go and find another job. Some people do whatever, go traveling, whatever it might be. But I think that there's a lot smarter way necessarily to do it. And some of the best actually entrepreneurs that, I've actually seen are the ones who have usually they've worked in a startup scale up from the beginning right to when it's sold and then they've taken all of those learnings and just started a thing in an adjacent category and just done the exact playbook of that and then started it again there's you know like lots of people from ProperCorn, for instance I know loads of great entrepreneurs who came out of Propacorn after it kind of grew and, and went off to do agencies or start new businesses or whatever that might be they're all massively successful and they only did that because they stayed at Propcorn for however long that they did so for anyone who's like yeah I'm just gonna start a business like you said without properly interrogating why they want to do it and if they have the playbook to do that I think that's the first thing to do like I definitely wouldn't I the only reason I started a business at the time that I did was because I it there was a there was a moment to start it right there was a need to there was an opportunity basically at that particular time and it was necessary and yeah I probably could have stayed and and learned more at that period of time but I felt like I'd got a good base of knowledge from working client side side And then had this opportunity, so it was the time to sort of take that. Whereas some people, I guess, don't—they're just like, "I'm gonna," I, I just want to be. An, is, again, it's like you said, it's almost just like toxic positivity, or yeah. uh, it's like, "Oh, anyone can do it. It's really easy. I can be an entrepreneur. I'm just gonna quit and just figure it out, right?" And and yeah, that t- tends to not really sort of work.
0: Yeah, no, not usually. Yeah, but kind of going back to the conversation about being an entrepreneur in a business, like what I think is really interesting that's happening at the moment is like employees are almost taking back control of work. Mm. And I think, well, maybe with the exception of Elon Musk, like <laughs> I think that um, for so long, the conversation has been like, how can you like, how should you behave at work? Like, should you bring your full self to work? Like the best ways to get, well, I don't know, your personality across at work, whatever. And it's been like on the employer's terms. Yeah. And I think that what's happening now is like a bit of a shift where it's like okay like what can work do for me like mm. how can your employer make your life easier and I think that's the switch that we're starting to see at the moment and it has been pushed on by like COVID and like working from home and things like that where everyone who's been working has kind of took a step back and thought okay uh, hang on a minute like I can actually ask for stuff like mm. I can say that I don't want to come into the office and that's fine well, not what, well, not fine for everywhere but like I think that there's a bit of a switch now. as like, who's got the power. Yeah. And at the moment it's, it's like the workforce. Yeah. And I think that like employers need to be very in tune to that. And that change that's happening at the moment, because I think that if you know that you can use it to your advantage. Whereas if you're resisting and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to demand that you do this and I need to do this because like I set the tone and it's my business and I'm telling yeah. you what to do. Like, I think that if you ca- if they carry on doing that, like, you're fighting a losing battle because it's just a numbers game, if nothing yeah. else. Like, if I think of how many people are in positions of power and how many people are in a workforce, like, you're outnumbered by a lot. Yeah. Um, But I think that, like, yeah, I think what we'll start to see more, and again, it's, it'll be interesting to see where the line is and, like, how far people can actually push that of, like, demanding what they want from work and how far w- employers are willing to go as well, I think, will be really interesting because I think you can go too far. And we like you saw it a lot with businesses after COVID, like it said to everyone, you know what, it's fine, work from home. Yeah, work from and home. And then after about a year, they were like, oh shit, like we've really messed up here because now we actually need everyone to come back into the office, but we can't say we need everyone to come back into the office because we be uproar. Mm. So it's like being really in tune to those decisions. And I think the long term impact that they'll have on the business as a whole, because like, it again, it depends what industry you're in and like what your job entails, like if it's creative, like if it's project based, like if it's team based, whatever. But I think that, yeah, companies need to be very in tune to like what their team wants and how they want to behave and also like how much they're willing to give because you could give everything and then also the end result is that you can go as well, we're still going to work from home. Yes. Like companies still building like multi-million pound offices, like you've got pools, you've got jacuzzis, you've got sleep pods, whatever. Mm. But actually like, and it, it kind of comes back to like the culture versus perks thing. Like if the culture is, you might be sitting in a jacuzzi whilst you're in the office, but you're still treated like shit. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's like, ha- I think the conversation needs to be more around like how people behave and how they speak to each other than the stuff that you throw at a business
1: yeah totally yeah you could be sitting in the jacuzzi and still find find the spreadsheet boring I guess That's, that's the problem yeah totally I think that's why for us it always comes down back to like one of our values which is just like being frighteningly flexible like that that is it shouldn't be one way or the other it shouldn't be everyone working at home it shouldn't be there should be room for this flexible working world that's one of the best things that came out of this this code world. we can now work more flexibly than ever before you can work with people halfway across the world you can work with people in in a around the desk for 20 minutes in a day and then you can all go off to do your own thing somewhere else like there there's and the types of the types of ways that you can work and the processes you can fill clients are far more open and and uh, businesses are far more open to different ways of thinking, and and different. In fact, they're like demanding it, right? And they're like trying to find different different thinkers and diverse backgrounds, etc. And like trying to find where where these people exist, whether that's for tokenism or whether they actually do want it. Like it's 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 part of the agenda, so you, there have to be business models that work around that. Um, and hopefully, like we're one of those. And then I think it, there are going to be countless others that pop up. Like just speaking about our industry, like in marketing and advertising, branding, etc. You saw the biggest exodus of talent over COVID. Just one from people sort of being being made redundant, but then the, more so on on the flip side of people leaving to go work for other businesses because our industry was one of the big ones where it was like work hard, play hard, and you had all these perks and things and like drinks paid for on a Friday, almost like.
0: But that's just, like that's literally a case in point, isn't it? Of like culture versus perks. If exactly. You took all that away, which COVID did. Like. Landslide took everything away. Like what's left is how you treat people. Yeah, and if that is shit, then no one wants to work for your business.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a a good uh, fitting point to end on. I think. <laughs> Where well, like the, the last thing that we actually like to do is is to to kind of suggest a brand owner to come on next. So I don't know if you have a recommendation
0: for somebody. Yeah, I was thinking about this and we we're here um i would suggest carrie rose who is the owner of and founder of rise at seven yep. she's just become sole founder of the business which like we actually went to the same uni so we worked with carrie for a bit but we w- we went to the same uni she graduated the year before i did and i just think like for what she's achieved and like what she's done and the business she's created she's absolutely smashing life um so yeah i think she'd be a good conversation
1: cool i've been dan If you like the podcast, please share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or even just to a mate. If you or anyone you know runs a brand that you think would be perfect for Small Talk, then get them to hit us up on hello at smallworld.marketing. We're Small World, and this was Small Talk.